Hey, everybody. Happy Tuesday. It is an off date week, a bye week. Or if you're Tyvis Powell, it's a bye week. Uh, as he <laughs> weighed in on that great debate for us on Monday at Roosters. Uh, but uh, Ohio State will not play on Saturday. They will have a normal Tuesday with availability for Bill Landis and myself, Austin Ward, to ask our normal Tuesday questions that we've got to find out the answers for from the Ohio State coaching staff. Um, there will not be any players available this week. They get a breather from us. I'm sure they are very thankful for that opportunity. Uh, and we have not, as of this recording, got the complete list of assistant coaches. So we may have to uh, make some guesses about who will have an opportunity to talk to in addition to Ryan Day on Tuesday in the team room at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. But uh, I have written my questions already, my five for this week for the off date for Ohio State. So it is Bill's turn to start with the things that he must know about the Buckeyes as they get their midseason break. My, my first question is whoever controls the allergies uh, to ask why I have mm. a severe allergy attack on October 10th. Uh, I apologize <laughs> if I <laughs> sound like it uh, in this podcast. Uh, we not not to uh, I guess go off script here for a second. I, I got an it. email about I got an email about who's talking on oh Tuesday. Oh boy, <laughs> let me check. <laughs> I can read the names off here. Uh, if Tell you, me if more about like. it. In addition to Ryan Day, we are expecting to get defensive coordinator Jim Knowles, offensive oh. line coach. Justin Fry and defensive line coach Larry Johnson, all for 15 minutes each on well, Tuesday afternoon. Would you look at that? That's very helpful information for the rest of the show. <laughs> so now we have more than one person uh, of whom we can ask questions. Um, I don't. I don't think. <laughs> I, I don't think Jim Knowles, uh, Justin Fry, or Larry Johnson are able to answer uh, the myriad injury questions that are that are hanging in the air over this roster right now. Uh, but we can ask them anyway. Uh, but certainly, that's probably where we'll start with Ryan Day. Um, yeah, I guess to try to get a gauge of of how they're going to come out of this idle week or off week, whatever the <laughs> proper way uh, to term it is. Um, I, I, Jackson Smith and Jigba is the biggest name, obviously. But I'm I'm honestly, I think, more curious about Jordan Hancock um, and if there's actually a chance of him helping this cornerback room um, as perhaps as early as the Iowa game because Ryan Day kind of made it sound that way the last time we talked to him and. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, it's been a little bit of, of mixed signals with Jordan's health from from Ryan Day, and, and maybe there's just been, you know, maybe he's had made progress and it had setbacks. Like that kind of stuff happens, I think, particularly with that kind of injury. Um, but it's a group that needs it. I think. I think that's that's the the position group that everyone's sort of wondering about, and that's a guy who, while we haven't seen a ton of him on the field, the word on him is that when he's healthy, he's really good and sounds like somebody who'd be able to help them. So. Um, while there are other players, Jackson, Trevion Henderson, Mind Williams, probably a couple others too, I, I think Jordan Hancock is maybe the most interesting of that group. Yeah, we've sort of beat that injury conversation into the ground when it comes to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Our, our feelings about that and his likely imminent return are pretty well documented. Uh, same is true with Travion and, and Travion Henderson and Mind Williams. We don't expect either of those guys to be dealing with anything that is long term or going to keep them out against Iowa. I suppose we'll, that will be another conversation that we have uh, next Tuesday on the podcast daily as that game gets closer and we have more ups, you know, insight into what exactly transpired over these couple of days of practice where I mean, Ohio State's going to get in work Tuesday and Wednesday and then I believe a lighter practice on Thursday before letting the players uh, go home if that's what they want, get out of town, however they want to spend their 
off date by week weekend, um, they'll have an extra opportunity to do so. In the past, Ohio State um, has had them get back so they can continue to have a late workout on Sunday and get a day ahead in their parlance um, coming out of the off date. I think that'll be the plan as well, but we'll get more clarification on exactly what Ryan Day wants to do with these couple practices um, and then how they uh, reconvene for Iowa as part of the festivities on Tuesday afternoon. I don't think that it's a truly pressing concern because, as you said, if the number one question about this team is about the health, there's not a ton that they really need to accomplish in pads right. this week. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's it's more of a of a good healthy week for a lot of players. Um, but that but I, I also think too it's if you have an eye toward that, like say say they feel like they're going to emerge from the off week healthier than than sort of how do those pieces fit into the equation? I, I am I am a little curious about what the re- receiver reps look like with the assumption that Jackson Smith and Jig was going to return. Obviously, he's going to play a ton. Yeah. This whole offense, I think, was kind of built around him, or at least that was the intention coming into the season. But meanwhile, Emeka Ibuka, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Julian Fleming have played very well um, to this point without him. I actually, uh, you know, probably exceeded expectations, I think. If you were to say that they wouldn't have had him, how would those guys fare? You might say, well, probably not that great because he just creates a lot of gravity. But um, mm-hmm. they have played very well. And and now that's a kind of a major dynamic shift. I think the intention all along was that all four of those guys would play coming into the season. But when the three of them are kind of used to being starters at this point, and I'm not saying like Jackson's going to upset the apple cart, but um, you have four, I think guys who have proven they're capable now or three guys who have proven they're capable now and the fourth coming in, who might be the best receiver in the country. <laughs> how do you, how do you utilize all of that talent now that you finally have it at its at your disposal? It's certainly interesting to think about, you know, the conversations that we had coming uh, out of training camp the last week or so before the opener for Notre Dame, where it was like, well, everyone is super excited to see Emeka Ibuka after last year. And Marvin Harrison is carrying this momentum. It's like, well, you know, one of those guys was not going to start because we were talking about Julian Fleming with the Iron Buckeye stuff and the way that Brian Hartline talked about him and his value as a run blocker. Like, I mean, we only briefly got to see it. And then Julian Fleming was hurt, you know, in that last week of practice. So that didn't actually transpire the way that we thought but it is worth a reminder like one of those guys isn't going to be a starter and they weren't expected to be coming out of training camp because of the presence of jackson smith and jigba and julian fleming but now you have six games half a season worth of, of work where you've seen that marvin harrison is an absolute freak and a touch leads the country in touchdown receptions and ameka buka who's just rolling out of bed and posting 100 yard receiving days every single week. And then Julian Fleming, who still, you know, doesn't look fully like his athletic self, but is back to running pretty close to top speed, maybe without some of the wiggle that he has formerly had in the past, but pretty good in in a straight line dose too for secondary struggling to get him. So yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. And it's one of those good problems to have. Yeah, I think so too. And I, and I can't help but think of, like 2018 when, for instance, they would put Paris Campbell and KJ Hill on the field together in the slot and just terrorize teams. And <laughs> and I think I think you can do that kind of stuff with – because Emeka Ibuka, I think, has shown himself to be a really good slot receiver, and he can play outside certainly, but it's kind of the same thing I feel with Jackson. Like once once a guy shows himself to be so versatile in that position, I don't, I don't think you want to take him out of it too much. 
um, just because it's such a weapon on your offense. So I think obviously Emeka will play outside some when Jackson comes back, but but I'd love to see two them find ways to get those guys both on the field in positions where they can both use the middle of the field together. Cause it's certainly possible. We've seen it done here before. Um, I don't know maybe they were planning on that coming into the year already. And now they just finally get to unleash it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm excited to see it because the, the possibilities feel kind of endless. Once you put that guy Jackson back into the fold on offense. What are you and Justin Fry going to talk about? Oh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. There are a lot of things. I was thinking – I always feel a lot of pressure when we talk to the offensive line coach. <laughs> because You're nervous I, for this one, Because, huh? oh, I talk about it so much that, like, when the time finally comes to talk to the position coach, I'm like, well, i got to ask a good question or I'm going to sound like a dummy. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'd be curious how specific he'd be willing to get on some of the technical stuff that they've worked on because – and I'm not – I like watching offensive line play. I appreciate it. I, I in no way consider myself an expert on it. But something feels different about the way they're playing, about the way that they're identifying things in a run game and getting to the right spots and staying on their blocks and executing combinations and all, all that stuff that, that makes a run game really pop that they didn't have really for much of last year. And I've tried to ask players about it, and um, I think they're just a little hesitant to talk about it because I just think they they don't like talking about that kind of stuff because it kind of feels like giving away state secrets. And, and maybe mm-hmm. Justin Fry will feel the same, but there is something – Really, it feels like sort of like a grassroots level with this offensive line that has improved across the board, and and I'm I'm curious what Justin Fry feels like he might have tapped into there, or what he brought to the table that he thought maybe was different that kind of got that out of those guys because um, they've been a, a really pleasant surprise for at least in my estimation. I think we thought they'd be good and had a pretty high ceiling, but they're certainly better at this point than I thought they would be, and I, I think we've talked about that before. So. Um, Maybe kind of getting into a little bit of how he's just been able to connect with that group in such a tangible way that's brought this out so quickly. I don't think in any of the, um, you know, three, four plus years that I've been around Ryan Day that I've ever heard him talk about offensive linemen tracking and targeting the way tracking, maybe. But I know that you asked him about that specifically a couple of weeks ago, that verbiage. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that was you know, something that Justin Fry picked up or if that's something that Justin Fry coaches, evaluates, teaches, um, where that came from. So I don't know if that was going to pop up on your radar or get a expl- better explanation of that. I'm sure it plays into the, all the things that you're talking about. Yeah. But I don't, I don't remember ever hearing it before this year. No, I can't recall it either. And um, there, maybe there's a more eloquent way to ask it. Cause <laughs> I asked who was it? Matthew Jones. I asked earlier <laughs> here, I said like, uh, you know, like coach day really gave you guys a lot of credit for, for being on target. What, what does that mean when he says that? And Matt Jones just said like, it means a lot. <laughs> it's just like, no, that's not what I meant. It's uh, true. I though. It, like, like, I guess taking one way, like he says, man, those guys are really on target. It's like, yeah, they are playing well, but that's, I don't think that's what he meant. Um, I think there's something, something to the idea of, um, being more precise, like in their steps and in their footwork in the run game, I think it was what Ryan Day was getting at. Um, which is like, if you watched them last year, there were a lot of times they would run plays, just like I don't, I don't feel like these guys really know where they're going. Or maybe it wasn't so much that as it was the defense knew where they were going and beat them to the spot because mm-hmm. um, there wasn't a whole lot of variety. I think in, in the run game, and that's another thing that I think Justin Fry has kind of got his fingerprints on here. It's it's not just him. Um, as Ryan Day has alluded to multiple times, like he's got a background in power football. Kevin Wilson certainly does. Tony Alford, like all these guys have been around long enough that they got a pretty big um, 
encyclopedia, I guess, of, of football to, to dig into when they want to. But there is some specific, there are some specific things that if you watched any of UCLA um, last year or the couple of the last few years that Justin Fry was there that are showing up in Ohio State's offense now. So um, I, I think I'd like, like to pick uh, Justin Fry's brain on some of that too. Yeah, that'll be an interesting conversation for sure. If you set aside, like people are going to ask about Paris Johnson playing at a first round level and the almost certain likelihood that he'll be moving on after this season. You know, you can set aside that stuff like Donovan Jackson. Yeah, he's he's playing well ahead of schedule. Luke Whipler is the anchor. You put all that stuff aside. To me, it's more interesting to know like what they feel about the development of Dewan Jones and his, um, you know, slimmed slimmed down frame, quote unquote, uh, <laughs> for how he's handling the pass, you know, speed rush on the edge. It certainly seems better. He did. Uh, I think he was probably, I didn't double check this, but they probably saddled him with the one sack uh, on Saturday that Michigan State had where yeah. it looked like maybe CJ uh, could have done more to help him on that. But then on the very next play, the same guy tried to take him around the outside and Dewan just swatted him like a fly and the guy goes to the ground. Uh, so there have definitely been a lot of times where you could see that that improvement is happening. And then sort of a, a twin topic with, Matthew Jones just just doesn't seem like that you know foot is it's probably not ever going to be fully healthy this year based on the way that they're handling it and we saw Enoch Vamahi come in on a couple different occasions on Saturday against Michigan State so like is there anything that they can do for Matthew Jones if he is he going to be better after the off date I suspect probably not uh, and I had asked him before about just like wearing one shoe that's like four sizes too big it helps him he feels like and I think the first time he came out on Saturday, it looked like that was purely what they were dealing with was trying to make get that shoe right. Uh, again, I don't know that for sure. I'd like to, you know, ask if I if I can't ask Matthew Jones about it now, which maybe I will in a week's time. Uh, maybe at least get some insight about uh, what Justin Fry sees that he's working through. Uh, maybe we'll get in, information on that. Maybe we won't, but. Also, just how Enoch Vamahi's coming along, what they see from him, because he does seem to be holding his own once he gets opportunities in there. And we know that Ohio State has been high on him for a very long time. And when he when he skipped that mission, put it off, that was seen as a very big deal uh, by the Ohio State coaching staff. So that's sort of that. And we'll get a little Josh Fryer mixed in as well. I think probably oh, yeah. to cover bases with with the top seven. Yeah, I think I think the depth maybe in general might be something. It's not it's not front of mind because we're midway through the season. But that was if you remember asking Ryan Day, like, what's your biggest concern on offense? Like the offensive line depth, offensive yeah. line depth, and um, I wonder if they feel better about that. I, I would think that they probably do because of like Enoch's played played well when he's been in there, and Josh Fryer seems healthy. So um, maybe you'd like to have more than just the two. But um, I wouldn't mind hearing about Jacob James or um, Tegra Shabola and why as a true freshman he's been playing with the twos a little bit. I think that's interesting. So. There's quite a bit to get into with Justin Fry. Like we only have 15 minutes. I'll I'll talk to that guy for three hours. Yeah, I wish we with the assistant coaches bill that we would have three hours or whatever it is you said before my AirPods quit and then my computer decided to throw me out of here and we lost uh, all semblance of reality. I, I don't know what is happening on the podcast daily for a Tuesday, but it feels like. I am in off week mode and I'm not trying to be. I want to power through. So let's finish this show. Let's do it. By 
We don't need to talk to Jim Knowles. I think we all know that the questions are going to be about the cornerbacks. It will be more interesting to hear what Larry Johnson has to say. I have been critical of the rotation that he's used. Uh, don't you know? He's probably going to say that they're getting enough pressure. He's happy about it. He's got enough guys that they all deserve to stay fresh and and participate. Um, you know, and they're a top ten defense overall, so things must be going pretty well. And I would say that that's. Hard to argue with that part of it, but does he still feel like playing 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 guys? Is he fully comfortable with that? Because I don't think that Jim Knowles was, and I think that that message has started to sink in. We've seen that ro- rotation pared down a bit, but at defensive tackle, boy, it's hard to deny the drop-off when Mike Hall is not out there. Yeah, and, and, and Teron Vincent, too, I think. like Both those guys are playing extremely well. I think you made the point right on, on the Rooster show that when those two guys aren't on the field, you notice it. Um, yeah. There's just the, – the guys behind them just aren't aren't at the same level. And I other programs play defensive tackles for the entire game. So I like, I don't I don't think it's an unheard of thing to, to ask for when, when the difference is, is that stark. Um, I would like to see both those guys play more as well. And if part of it is at the moment that – Mike is just not healthy, then then so be it. I guess you have to dip into that depth. But even if that's the case, it still feels like they're doing it a, a little too much. Um, it's not bitten them at all to this point. Like it's not it's not been like an Achilles heel for them. It's just the kind of thing that when you look at it and try to project forward, you think to yourself, like, I think this could become an issue if it persists. Um, but maybe if they get into a game where it would matter, they won't do it. But I'd like to know where Larry is with that. Yeah, and I mean, look, <laughs> it's spilled out from within the Rushman room, if we're going to assume that what Tyleek Williams decided to publicly tweet about freeing 91 over the weekend was about his playing time, you know, how satisfied is that group? You certainly don't make decisions based on keeping everyone happy if you're trying to win a national championship, but uh, it, it seemed like odd timing. And Larry Johnson is an old school guy, doesn't actually know how to use Twitter. So... <laughs> You know, I don't know if he saw it or what the conversation is like, but it's going to come up because anytime that players take that step and seem to be airing grievances, it's it's going to be noticed by one of the 750 people who cover this team, and they will ask questions about it on a Tuesday. Look, I, the timing of it was stranger to me because it doesn't seem like Tyleek Williams is playing at all that high of a level. He's in this mix where I'm talking about the guys that don't look like they're such shutting down the run that he's getting pushed back off the football. Um, people have asked us why he's not getting playing time. It, it doesn't look like we've spent all this time talking about his conditioning that he is at that snap in snap out level that Ohio state wants. I, like, that's what I see. I don't know what Larry Johnson sees or how much he'll say about it, but uh, it's going to come up. Yeah, I think it will too. I thought Tyleek was just advertising like free Supreme gasoline oh. or something when, when he, oh, when he that'd be that. good. Um, you get a long line of people who need free gas. That's right. That's right. He's a really high ceiling player, I think. Um, so maybe I, I agree. Like I don't. I think the the clamoring for him has been a little outsized compared to how well he's actually played. I think he's a pretty good interior pass rusher um, and has shown that against lesser opponents. Um, I don't think he's a complete defensive tackle at this point. And that, like he's again, he's a sophomore. So if he needs to grow into it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think there are times where I watch him and I feel like he needs to embrace the run defense part of this a little more. And maybe that's difficult when um, the snaps are what they are and uh, you feel a sense of urgency to get out there and get a sack. All right. That seems like a good place to end it because 
Uh, otherwise, my computer is going to do it for me. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I apologize for any of the technical difficulties. Hopefully, Berm just edits this seamlessly and you don't even notice that there was anything wrong or you couldn't see if I was frozen or whatever the heck else happened uh, during the podcast daily on a Tuesday with Ohio State not playing a game this week. Yeah, you didn't I'm see sorry. the allergies leaking out of my face. <laughs> well, he's going to have to Photoshop that while he's editing all the rest. That's right. Uh, hopefully, we can piece together a show that you still enjoyed. And if we didn't, well, we'll be back on Wednesday for another episode of the podcast, and we'll try to do a lot better. Uh, But until then, he's Bill. I'm Austin. We'll see you later.